the smoke, it's just, it's too much. It's, it's like walking into that little room, the cigarette room at, uh, Hartsfield Jackson in Atlanta. Um, except you're outdoors and it's the whole city and it's awful. It's just, it's, it's so bad. It's so, so gross in New York tonight as we, uh, as we it's... do this. Perhaps you can hear that in my voice. Uh, <laughs> of smoking uh, an entire pack of cigarettes all goddamn day long. Uh, so here we are, uh, ready to do this, and uh, I'm just going to pop this open. And yeah, oh, that was a, Arizona, that was a good one. That was a very, very good one. I'm Jesse from the internet, that's Will It's Pod, and I have duly impressed my co-hosts with the pop of that Arizona <laughs> IST. Uh, Britt is here from the internet. Hi, Britt. Hi, my my condolences on the smoke. I'm uh, extremely familiar with the concept, and it's not fun. Yeah, you've you've been through this in California, where the sky turns orange. Uh, we've we've not yet gotten to that level quite yet. Um, it just looked like we were on the surface of Mars during the uh, <laughs> Little League game that my son was playing today. Yeah, I hope you um, don't go full Blade Runner because it's very unsettling when you wake up and it's like there's a a spotlight with an orange gel on it pointing into your house. It's not, it's not great. I don't love it. Don't recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the rest of this week. Uh, you know, for, for many reasons, there's no F1 race at the end of it. Um, so Addie, that seemed like a good way to bring Addie in today. Addie, how are you? You know, um, I'm I'm not bad. I've had a long and busy week, and having back to back races the last two weekends was amazing. Like it really is amazing how quickly my whole week has become. Like, okay, it's almost time for the first practice. Like I, I'm waking up like early on Sunday mornings. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, hey babe, do you want coffee before the race? Like I'm going to the corner. <laughs> Um, and, and as I texted, you know, both of you today, it has gone so quickly from me being like, mm, this is going to be such a funny little joke. I'm going to pick Ferrari. Everyone says they're the Mets of F1 and their drivers are so sexy. <laughs> and I'm literally just like, on the one hand, it's like, I've literally, I've loved everything about it. Like, I think that's one fun thing about F1 is even when they're bad, I'm loving, like, I'm loving the races. I'm having such a good time. But I am already to this point in like two weeks flat of being like, okay, this is not funny. This is extremely frustrating. (laughs) And I am really sad for my sexy Ferrari boys. And I think it's heightened by the fact that it was back-to-back home races for them. Yeah. Monaco Um, and Spain. Having that back to back, it's it's a lot. It's it's emotionally taxing for all of us. Oh, it it was emotionally taxing. Yeah. So anyway, that's how I'm doing. Um, I'm I'm glad to hear you were also taxed. <laughs> yeah. No. It's just look because especially after the past handful of years, I, I dread Monaco the way I don't know the way like pre 2019. Nats fans dreaded the NLDS because you just knew how it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. Or it's well, just like I- no matter how much it should go better, no matter how much it seemed like everything was sort of 
all, all the dices were rolling the way you wanted them to. You just sort of have this feeling in the back of your head like, mm, nope, nope, what's it going to be this well, time? Okay, that actually reminds me, and I would like to, you know, stay on the vroom vroom for as much as possible because it's my <laughs> heart and soul right now um, after the Mets have been swept. And I love to make fun of Mets Twitter for like every three seconds, you know, they're like, the season's over. Season's but I am over. One of the, I, but like, I am one of those people <laughs> in my heart, like in my heart of hearts, I am. Anyway, that brings me to the other big news of today, which is that Jacob deGrom is getting Tommy John surgery for dun, the dun, second dun. time. And the way you were talking about Monaco is like how I think I felt every it time is. Jacob deGrom pitched as a Met, yeah. especially in those later years. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a very Jacob deGrom like waiting for this for the other shoe to drop sort of feeling to yeah. the whole situation. And I, the, the, I don't want to say funny, the ironic, interesting, I don't know, one of those words, thing is that I swear to God, like two days ago, the Rangers were like, no, 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 the MRI came back okay. It's just inflamed. There's no structural damage. Right. And like 48 hours or something, they're like, um, so about that, actually, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> Metsy. Extremely. It's like he brought it with him to Texas. Yep. It's... I mean, he's, he's Max Verstappen as... And, um, well, Charles Leclerc last week as, uh, as <laughs> yeah. far as fortunes oh and God. the, the uh, way that life just pretty, goes. Like, yes, yes, that is. Yeah. And, like, he's finally on this Rangers team that's doing, like, they're doing awesome. Like, he made that whole thing about, like, you know, I'm going here to win. Everybody's like, yeah, sure, whatever, the Rangers. You're in the division with the Astros. You're just taking the cash and going to a place where you don't have to talk to the media and they don't have a pride night and all that. No, it turns out they're actually really good. Um, and and the stuff they've been doing to build their team has been working, <laughs> and they signed all these free agents, and they're really good, and they're in first place, and, and now he's he's gone for a year and a half. Yeah. If, if, if <sighs> I mean, it's a, he's on a five-year contract, but um, Jacob DeGrom is 34 years old. I know. He's old. In my mind, he's always 27, you know? Right. Right. He's always like sort of a baby in my head. And then I'm like, oh, wait, yeah. no, actually, he's like the same age as Garrett Cole. No, he's a older than Garrett Cole. A year and a half. Yeah. He, a year and a half and another Tommy John surgery. Like, yeah. maybe the Mets will bring him back. That's bait. <laughs> <laughs> and he's on a five year contract, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's brutal. Well, and it does. There, there were some some Tim Lincecum, Jacob Degrom debates going around on Twitter, and as much as I don't like to engage in any of that, <sighs> I generally speaking feel like those debates are pointless, and it's like there's never a one to one comparison. So, like, why do you bother? But um, there is there is a certain uh, like poetry rhyming to the situation, and that there's both this sense of like uh, flew too close to the sun with both of them. Where it's just like they were too good and too weird for it to last the way you wanted it to. <laughs> or I, I always, I always <laughs> felt that exact thing yeah. like in, the, in the deepest part of my soul with Jacob Degrom, and I think it's part of what gave me such deep anxiety over Jacob Degrom when he was in yeah. that. Like, I, I felt this with Cindergard for a little while as well in in his peak where it was like actually it was like 
the only it was like the fucking f1 races are for me right now like, <laughs> i was like pounding down to degrom day i think we all were and in in my heart it was just like this like ticking time bomb where i was just like it's the best thing in the world and i could tell like i could feel it i spent a year on this podcast being like Oh, like it's not going to last with Jacob deGrom. So like if we get it, we just have to like savor it. And I did have a moment today of being like, you know, it, it's funny because I think we're all like, yeah, he like flew too close to the sun. And some part of me is like, he went back to back fucking Cy Youngs. Like, is that not good enough for any of us? Like, is that not enough of a career? <laughs> well, and that's, and I think that's part of where, where the Tim Lincecum comp in my head yeah. really works, where it's like, yeah, you could being disappointed that maybe you didn't get more years of that out of someone because their body betrayed them or the sport is just a cruel bitch that way. That's absolutely valid. Like, I think we all would have loved to see any of the guys like that who sort of had these great peaks and then just couldn't sustain it for whatever reason. But yeah, of course, you'd love to see 15 years of that or whatever, but it doesn't take away from how important and how fun and how yeah meaningful the memories you have or whatever are of the times Ugh. when it's really good. Like It was so fun. <laughs> Remember that? Like that was so much fun. I love I, that. Remember when he got like a one hitter against the Rockies and struck out like 17? I just remember right. like I just remember like literally lying on the ground. <laughs> right. Right. And and there's not a lot of players who it's not about but good or bad necessarily. There's just a very particular like weirdness, I guess, yep. for lack of it's a better so word. Weird. There's there's <laughs> just some guys that you're like, you're really, really good, but you're also a freak so in weird. like a great way. Burger. So weird. So weird. So Burger. I think <laughs> but I think it I think it does make it more entertaining or sort of carry a different weight to it. Because yeah. it's like you know, when one of these guys who is a very classical ace type or who is a very classical power hitter or whatever goes out and does what he does, it's amazing. But also like, okay, he's doing the thing that I would expect him to do to a certain extent. Like I can see that other places. It's part of why like Shohei Otani is so interesting because like he's a fucking freak. Like people shouldn't he's be able to do freak. that. So yeah, like it's great when he pitches really well, but lots of people pitch really well. He's doing it in this totally different context that just makes it all so much weirder. Um, and like Aaron Judge at his peak and Giancarlo Stanton for that matter. It's the same thing. Like, yeah, okay, people hit home runs. No, but but that it's different <laughs> when a dude who is 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, who's a tight end essentially is doing it and breaking pieces of stadiums. Like... Like Aaron Judge has a has a stadium body count at this point. Like there are just some players who are hot, not him, just actually. I'll say it. I know. I love him. But like <laughs> yeah. there are just some players who are both really, really good, but also just so much their own thing in some way. I think the the biggest compliment that I can pay here is to say that I paid money to watch Tim Lincecum pitch, to buy a ticket. Um, even though I had the ability to go with a press pass, I paid money to go watch him pitch. Um, I would do yeah. the same for Jacob deGrom. And yeah, I think yeah. that you, you talk about guys like that. 
They're going to be interesting Hall of Fame cases, both of them. I, I guess Lincecum, has Lincecum already been five percented off the ballot? He, I don't, because he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. I don't remember if he's actually fallen off or not. I don't think he has. Either way, the the reason that he won't make it, and the reason that I don't think Degrom will either, which is too bad, um, is because the the body, the overall body of work, is not there to what you need to you right. know, to have those hall of. But the peaks for those guys, each of them, are higher, right? Than even the highest hall, like like. They are better than the best of the Hall of Famers at their peaks. Right. You're talking about one or two seasons that that broke baseball. Like, they just did things that nobody else could do. And. Go ahead. Is is that. And to me, that should be a Hall of Fame. Kind of career more so than and it it happens that I'm writing about him at, at this time, Tony Perez. Um, yeah. a guy who was, you know, a hell of a ball player for 20 years. Um, I would like the guy who broke baseball for three. That's, that's the guy who is going to stick out to me more. Yeah. Um, well, and that's personal preference. And I think we, that that's a really, the pit, the pictures of that, I'd say that era of, I don't know, like the early, the 2010s through now, I guess. That's going to become a real a real sticky wicket for the Hall of Fame, I think. Because how many pitchers are you going to put in from that era? Like, th- there were not a lot who didn't blow their arm out one way or another, or just not be able to sustain right. it. So I mean, the Hall of Fame has enough problems getting in guys from the eighties, so well, I have no idea. Right, like they're well, not going to do anything about it because they're incompetent. But like, it does present a real well, problem. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> right, it does present a real problem though, where you're going to end up with another of those weird gaps in the hall of fame where you're going to look at it and be like, did they not have pitchers for a while or like, and like, yeah, no, I promise, <laughs> promise they did. It's I just, mean, what, you're going to have to look at it differently. In, in the 21st century, what's it going to take for any starting pitcher to get to the hall of fame? Like, yeah. Okay. Verlander, Scherzer, probably CC, Kershaw. Um, yeah. I mean, you're looking you at a span of like 20 years. Yeah, where like Madison Bumgarner is probably one of the top 10 pitchers of his generation. And that dude is not sniffing the Hall of Fame. No, not even close. Not even close. And that's another example of like, at a certain point, when you have these distinct peaks, there, you, there's got to be value to that, especially in an era when the odds of you having a Hall of Fame, quote unquote, level career for 15, 20 plus years, like sort of is the expectation that the odds of it are astronomically small, like beyond the point that makes sense. Well, and it's, and, and that's because the game has changed. The game is not the same game anymore. And the hall of fame, like much of baseball is addicted to nostalgia. And so it like the idea that we can even use the same metrics to put in even players from 20 years ago in right like uh, it it really fundamentally i think is like such a broken system and to me the hall of fame should be telling the story of baseball like 
Right. Uh, right. Which is also it's exactly a, why I think museum. that. It's a museum. It's a museum. Like, that's what the Hall of Fame is. It's a museum. Right. And I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah. And Baseball that's also why I love the museum. <laughs> The, yes. the museum fucking rocks, and right. the room with all the plaques is boring weird. as hell. Yeah, <laughs> the room right. with all the plaques boring as hell. Yeah, but no, uh, but the I actual think... exhibits of the cool shit are amazing. Yeah, and I, I, but I also think that's like obviously why you know Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, if right. you're going to the Museum of Baseball, right? You and can't there's pretend it did not happen. <laughs> About Barry Bonds. Like, it's really insane to me. And I feel like that's kind of a little bit the Jacob deGrom case. Like, I feel like if I'm in the Hall of Fame walking along in 40 years with my bebe or whatever, I'm going to be like, okay, there's this, like, huge missing chunk here that, like, really tells the story as you guys are describing. Like, the story of Jacob deGrom, I think, right. is in so many ways, like, emblematic of this era Absolutely. of pitching greatness. Like, totally injury-ridden, a total fucking genius, at yeah. his peak, was literally breaking baseball. Like, and and then this also does take me to something else, which it's like, maybe this is the Jacob deGrom pill that I ate so many years ago <laughs> that I've not yet washed out of my system. But I just have to say, at every fucking turn, Jacob deGrom has gotten better somehow. And it has never made any fucking sense. And I think that there is some possibility that in a year and a half, Jacob deGrom reappears and has like been reborn. Like, I, I think it's possible. He is such a freak. But maybe I'm delusional. Maybe I'm the freak. I think it's a sort of chance that, that he comes back, uh, throws three pitches at 104 miles an hour, strikes out Shoya <laughs> Fani, and, and, and his arm flies to the back. And, and he dies! Yeah. Right. right, right. And and that has to be in the Hall of Fame. That has <laughs> to be in the Hall of Fame. But so here's, here's my theory with him, though, is I do think that when he had that velocity tick, I think it's just like more than his body can handle at a certain point. That's exactly what I have thought for years. So I, I do wonder, could he reinvent himself a little bit in the course of this rehab, not feel like he has to throw 100 miles an hour all the time? Right. His stuff is good enough that he doesn't need to. Obviously, yeah, it's ridiculous when he does. He has like the fourth best curveball in the game and he never throws it. <laughs> right, right. So it's not like, I mean, assuming that like the fundamental health is there post rehab, it's not like he couldn't find a way to do it. It would just require rethinking his approach. And I don't know how feasible that is or isn't and how much he would be receptive to that or if he would rather just throw three pitches at 104 and then die on the mound or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But I but I feel like there's a path there, at least. There's there's also the question of adapting to the pitch clock, not as a mental thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that you've seen this with, you know, Verlander and Scherzer, even though, you know, those guys are not like notoriously slow workers or anything. The way that pitchers have had to go and, and have gone to max effort on 
almost every pitch in a way that they didn't used to. The pitch clock changes the game that way because there's just not the recovery time, the physical recovery time. Right. You literally don't have an extra five or 10 seconds to like catch your breath and shake your arm out or whatever. I wonder like, you know, have, have we as, as a collective group of people watching this sport, have we underplayed like how much of a difference there is in the game this year, I, I think that you're seeing it with some some hitters who are having you know trouble with you know getting Juan Soto certainly, yeah, um, has has had a real adjustment to make. You know, it's like if you told F1 teams, all right, um, all right, on all the pit stops, you're only going to change three tires now, <laughs> right, right. You're going to have to pit again to do the last one. Like, good luck. Yeah. But, well, but, you know, I, I was just going to say I love I love this question because. I um I've been thinking and writing a lot about baseball and change and how we're kind of like thinking about this moment and I've had this strange experience of as I said to all of you when they announced the rule changes last year I was just like I hate this shit like I just hate it and I will say I am still completely anti banning the shift. I think it's the stupidest thing in the entire world. I just yeah. think it's dumb. Like I think the game is meant to evolve and that stunted it and I hate it. But I keep walking around the season being like, I love the pitch clock. The pitch clock is so great. It hasn't changed the game at all except that it feels a little bit quicker. Yeah. And I will say like I have started to have this feeling of like it has added this weird new element of strategy um, where so like baseball because and it's something I think is beautiful because of its like leisurely situation. It's not a game where you're like kind of there's like little break moments where somebody can be like forced to fuck up, and the pitch clock <laughs> has kind of like introduced this thing where it's like somebody can be forced to fuck up, and it's very strange. And I've started to notice it a little bit later into the season after having been like, oh, it changes nothing. It does. It changes this like little thing that I think is a little hard to like pin down. And I kind of like it, which is the scariest part of all. I do too. I didn't expect to. I expected to absolutely fucking hate it. And I actually don't mind it really at all. And I think fundamentally in most ways you're right that like I think I think your instinct was right that like it doesn't change it on most levels. It's not like it fundamentally rearranges the game or something to the extent that I think some people were concerned that it would. But I think you're absolutely right that there is this extra little like gamesmanship element of it. And I also think it's interesting because it it uh it is preferential to certain kinds of players. If you are Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton gets in the box and he does not fucking move until he hits a pitch. He stands there all giganticness mm-hmm. of him and fucking stares the pitcher down. And it's like, I fucking dare you throw me a fastball and does not flinch until that at bat is over. If hot, it's hot as fuck. But like, it also like, that is also a style that this setup absolutely it's gonna play well with because it's gonna be like nope this is how i do it anyway so now you all have to catch up and i'm already here and i'm already comfortable with it because this is how i operate um just what 
what what do you think? Do you think we're underestimating it, or are now Brit and I perfectly estimating it? Actually, <laughs> I I think you're both perfect, um, and I think that your estimation is is on target. Uh, but as a matter of my personal feeling, I I don't like it, and I think that it's because my feeling on baseball is more laconic and take a breath and, and regather between pitches. Um, I, I think about, you know, I was a mess as a ball player, um, just completely unsalvageable in every way, shape and form. But I, I learned some stuff. I know about the game and I've told my son who is actually pretty decent at it for an eight-year-old um it's a mental game but you need to be able to turn your brain off to do the actual actions 100 percent you you can think 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 and then move um for me i find that just as a viewer as a spectator as a fan who thinks with the game I find that I am still thinking um, about either the previous pitch or about the next pitch when the next pitch is starting to be thrown. And I feel like there's a constant, there's just a constant feeling and it, it meshes with, you know, also where I'm at just in life of, of feeling like kind of hurried and harried and rushed all the time. I feel like baseball is now just a little bit hurried and harried and rushed. I feel like, I get to the game, um, you know, I go to the concession stand. It, even if the line is short, I've still missed an inning. It used to be maybe I missed two batters. Missing the whole inning is a different feeling. Mm-hmm. It's still five minutes, but when the inning was seven minutes, it's it's different. Um. So I'm having trouble with that, and I think that I'm not incapable of adjusting to it and learning to live with it, and obviously I'll have to. It's not like it's ruined baseball for me. Um, but I have felt uh, I, I felt more uncomfortable with it than I thought because, yeah, I thought, oh, yeah, it's not going to – this is going to be a little quicker, a little less time between pitches. But it's it is the accumulation of that time that makes a difference, and I feel like – um, if you're chopping two seconds off of every between pitches, I feel like it was too much and you should have just been chopping off one. I think that's an wow. excellent point. I think that's an excellent point. And I will say, um, I was at the Giants game on Sunday with my, my lovely friend, Sarah, and we were talking about the pitch clock and we sort of were coming to the same conclusion that like, ultimately we felt pretty good about it, but that. It's sort of one that, yeah, they could probably push it all out a push the timer out a little bit and it would still accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, but would feel a little less drastic. But also this is the thing, the people that it is targeting really, the people who are the human rain delays are such a small percentage of like the greater population of baseball that it's like when you're in school and you know, the teacher says like, okay, everybody, it's time to read or, you know, draw quietly or whatever. And everybody's totally chill and they're doing their thing and it's not a problem. And then there's one little motherfucker in the back who like 
will not behave and keeps pulling out his comic book that he's not supposed to be looking at and like doing all the <laughs> shit. And then he ruins it for everyone. And now, no, now you all have to sit and read the assigned book and do nothing else because this little shit couldn't keep his crap together. Feels a little bit like that. Uh, Jorge de la Rosa has ruined it for everyone. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Pedro Baez can never come back. Fucking Pedro Baez. The, I don't know what it is about the NOS, but the NOS for a while had like a collection of relievers oh that were all God. just like, they're so slow. They, I just, they made me want to walk into traffic. Like, oh my fucking God. So like, I don't miss that at all. I am thrilled to not have that and fucking Troy Tulowitzki doing a shuffle off to Buffalo for five minutes in between every pitch. <laughs> like that shit can be gone and stay gone forever. I don't miss that at all. You know, Jesse. Oh, no, sorry. I know. See, like, but that's the, I feel like that's really the thing that it was targeting. And like, we maybe we have gone a little too far. I was just going to say, I totally, I totally agree. Like, I think the idea of if you're shaving two seconds off, you should have shaved off one. And I do think, unfortunately, this is the sort of thing where the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. the clock is ever getting longer. At this no, point. I don't. I don't. I don't think that uh, MLB has enough humility. No, <laughs> to go back no, no, and no, say, no, 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 no. Let, let's no. tweak this. Actually, maybe a little bit slower. Right, we saw it for a year. Let's tweak this a little bit. I think we could make it better. They would never. Yeah. they should, but they would never. Well, and I just, I think it's like I, Jesse, what you're describing, I, I completely agree with, and it. it's something I really love about baseball. I think what has gotten me to this place of being like, I think I actually like it and sort of like surprising myself in that way is that (laughs) maybe this is my own woo woo crazy, but I'm honestly like, okay, it is like the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like there's no going back. And, and on some grander scale, I'm like, I don't really mind like a, a kind of a two and a half hour game. It's kind of like, you know, especially when I'm home, like I can totally see like go and Jesse goes to the games, which I'm jealous of. I never really get to go. But like when I'm home and I'm like hanging out with my boyfriend and we watch the game and then it's like, Hmm, it's 10 o'clock. What a reasonable hour. Like we can watch a sitcom before we get ready for bed. It's like, it's nice. Like I, I do like it. And what I think I am interested in, I think I feel sort of like intellectually intrigued by like, okay, like, Here's what Major League Baseball did. Now they have to live with it. And what surprises me is that I thought a pitch clock would not be such an adjustment for someone like Max Scherzer. Like, I kind of thought he would thrive under a pitch clock. Just I kind by, of did too. Yeah, just because he's a freak. And <laughs> right. he's struggling. Like, he, like clearly, I think that's part of what's going on with him this year. Right. He hates yeah. it. I mean, he said as much. He hates it. Yeah, he says it all the time. And it's interesting because I think it has speaking of the like you can't think too much though. I I my personal theory is that that's part of why it hasn't bothered Garrett Cole because I think when he gets himself really into trouble, he is thinking way too fucking hard and he needs to throw what the fuck is called and just shut up and deal with it. Like I love him desperately, but he get, I it just feels like he gets in his own head sometimes. And then he tries to be too fine or he just like overthinks it and it just he gets all riled up. Whereas I think with the pitch clock, it forces him to just like really simplify it and just get the ball and go and not get all 
in the rest of it. Um, and I'm, I am a little surprised that that was not, that has not been Max Scherzer's experience. I do love that baseball can punish you for overthinking. And I think that maybe that is part of what's happening with Scherzer because out of your right, he should thrive under it because he can just do whatever it is that he does normally. Right. Except that now it's in his head that it's there. Right. Um, it's not like he was like a really deliberate guy before. Yeah. Like speed was never really an issue for him. Yeah. So I think that it's, Ooh, it's when do I use this? You know, when do I use the, the fire flower? Um, you know, cause you just get that. I, right. I don't have a good video game analogy here. <laughs> um, like I've got this tool in my case now. When, when do I use it? How do I, how do I break this head? And like, he's right. such a craftsman. Like he's now got like, if it's like, he's a painter, um, but all of a sudden now, like he's been working with hairbrushes all these years and now you've handed him a sponge brush to also work with. And he's right. like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Oh no, but you have to use it. Um, okay. Not, no, that's not good. And I think he will eventually get to where he figures it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he hasn't well, been terrible recently. No, he's been, he's been, yeah. So that's what you want to say about your ace pitcher. <laughs> He's been fine. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it is for the Mets right now. They've played 500 ball, and there was no stretch this long last year where they played 500 ball. Yeah. Um, it feels like a 500 so, season. It feels so like... I, I was just going to say, that has been the experience of the Giants season as well. They have hovered right around 500 for a while now, but they are the most, uh, like, push me, pull you, I love you, no, I hate you, baseball team I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> it is. That's so the vibe right now. And it's wild. It's wild because I feel like no matter how much they are a 500 team, they never feel like it. Right. The other- right. The other adjustment that I think has been underplayed is how different the schedule is. Mm. Um, yeah. I think if, if yeah. you're a veteran player and you're accustomed to various travel patterns over the years, like you have some feeling of like who you're supposed to be playing when I, I said it early in the year, like when the Mets went to Milwaukee, like this doesn't feel like when oh, the Mets bizarre. go to Milwaukee. Right. Well, and this is like, Nothing the booth was talking about that. Well, this, this, and like, the this Giants before they play, or last week before they played yeah. the Phillies. Sorry, they were no, they were just yeah. like they were just being the booth was the SNY booth was like it's so bizarre that it is the end of May and we haven't seen the Phillies. Right, I was just gonna say the Rocket the Giants are playing the playing the Rockies in Denver right now and it is the first time they have played the Rockies. It is June sixth. Yeah, it's what weird. in the fresh hell? It's so bizarre. There has not been a Yankees Red Sox game this year. There has not been a Yankees Red Sox game. You're right. They played the Blue Jays, what feels like a hundred times, and they played the Rays, and they played the Orioles yeah. multiple times. But they saw that is so weird. So, See, weird. so now I have questions about the scheduling, though, because like, how have you played everyone else in the division multiple times, but uh, you haven't played the Red should... Sox at all yet? Like, what is going on there? That seems very weird. This is what happens when you give the schedule to a machine to make after it has been kind, genius, old people for decades. You gotta go back to 
for the old couple. Fucking chat exactly. GPT, damn it. <laughs> this is yet another case of AI ruining everything. I'm telling you. Yeah. Okay, can I just can I just say a metaphor that hop, that popped into my mind, which is that um Ferrari right now feels like the Mets of Willpon A. <sighs> Like oh, oh God. Like, yeah. It's there's it's there's Ferrari a very... right now. Yeah. To me, coming in now, it's this thing where it's like, I'm like, it feels like, you know, Cindergarten to Grom in like peak form. Like, I like both of them in their home races qualified well. And it was just like, there was on that very first turn. In Spain, I was like, that's the moment Carlos Sainz lost the race. <laughs> You're you know? like, like, oh, there it is. I, li- I literally <laughs> was like, it's over. Like, I was like, it's done. And then, like, yep. of course, like, you know, Charles so qualifies. Uh, Here's the pitch. Yeah. Season's over. <laughs> season's over. Literally. Yep. That I, I was like, oh, uh, race is over. Yeah. If it, and, because you know there's no margin for error and you just know it's going to happen and then you're like, yeah, no. nope, that's okay. Yep. Here we go. I'm going to well, go back and, to bed. <laughs> well, so, and, and then – so... Go ahead. And then Charles um, with, <sighs> you know, having to go all the way to the back and and basically like doing the Mets give up eight runs in the first inning bullshit. Yeah. And then like – Coming back, getting the gift of Yuki having a five-second penalty. Yep. And getting within one spot of the points to not get any points. And and I love so, the I love the post race. Yeah, I love the post race when they were like, "Well, you know, all those overtakes, like you 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 know, you gained a lot of places. How do you feel about it?" And he was like, "This is terrible. I don't care." <laughs> Like don't don't, I mean, don't fucking patronize me. <laughs> literally. Well, and I I think it's like I, I, the thing with the Mets right now is I'm like I don't know they, like the Mets the members of the Mets fielded squad are just like driving me crazy. They're I love them. I hate them. They're good. They're bad. They're aces. They're dicks. They're whatever. But Ferrari has that vibe of a few years ago where I was just like, I would lay my life down for any member of the 2017 Mets. But I can't because the Wilpons want us all, to, like the Wilpons would run us over immediately. They would kill us all immediately. And that's what I feel with Ferrari is I'm like, I would give my life. I would do things I could never say publicly for Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. But I have got to get some Ferrari engineers Fired first. I'm I'm so glad that you said 2017 because I was about to say last year was very last year was the 2015 Mets where you're like oh oh, oh, oh fuck that was the shot and we blew it and now we're gonna uh, just do whatever this is that that was very um, much that's where we're at so we are very much I, like know, a, I feel that I feel that so hard yeah yeah we're at a we are in a very 2016 2017 Mets scenario right now like that is very much where we are i'm not sure what that means well, other than it's probably not good 
It's going to end horribly. That's what it yes. means. It's going to end yeah. horribly. But it's going to be funny along the way. It's going to oh. be really, really, really entertaining. That That is maybe the messiest part of Ferrari, though, is that they're not just going to be bad. That's – no, no, no. <laughs> That's tacky. That's basic. That is too fucking simple. <laughs> they are going to blow it in the most absurd way possible. And they were going to – they're going to invent new ways to step on rakes. Every race, they're gonna find a new way to like blow a, a like have a gearbox blowout at a, the worst possible time, or like totally fuck up their pit strategy somehow in new and interesting ways. Every time, every like, time, every time, like how in the fuck? And the part that gets me is that they did what they theoretically needed to do. Like they fired Benotto, and it was like, okay, we're gonna you know we're gonna bring in. Fred, because he loves Charles and it'll be great. Um, and here we fucking are. <laughs> it's unreal. Just, yeah, truly, truly unreal. And Charles' I- is Instagram. <laughs> um. Oh my God, Charles' Instagram. His <laughs> Instagram is a, co- it's like, it is like 50% thirst traps and 50% like, <laughs> baby, you need to go to therapy. Like, he has, he has two things. There I'm, is. I'm, I'm concerned about this. Like, if this season continues the way that it does, like, are, are we ready for like. <laughs> What is the equivalent of like if there was an emo Noah Syndergaard who was also okay? That's exactly what I was gonna say. That's exactly what I was gonna say because I meant to bring this up earlier when Noah Syndergaard was like, "I would give my hypothetical firstborn child (gasps) right." Like, oh my god, old me. That is a direct quote. That is not me Mm, paraphrasing. No, yeah, that that was verbatim. Direct quote. I literally like I like turned to my boyfriend and I was like, "Oh my." Like, is he, like, okay? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> which is, it absolutely has the exact same energy of, like, okay, so Charles' Instagram, here's my impression. It's him literally shirtless, like, very nearly naked, like, in the Mediterranean. Often. Very like, often. In- probably, yeah. Like, water, like, water, like, dripping <laughs> down his body. And then it's, like, a front-facing selfie camera video of him being, like, yeah, it was another, you know, very difficult day at the racetrack. There's something wrong with the car and <laughs> we'll have to really figure it out. Um, you know, we're really just going to focus on the next one and try our best out there. Like, and then it's like a picture of him in like a really cute sweater. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, I, the thing I love though is that I feel like there's like a Charles, um, like an angst meter. And yeah. if if you're still just getting like the the like uh equivalent of like oh well we uh you know put some good at bats together and uh they just got us in the end or whatever when you're getting the equivalent of that like the the very pat cliche you're okay like the it's not great but it's fine when it gets to the point where he's really just like this is disappointing we we should have done better. Like when it gets a little too <laughs> real, that's when it's like, oh no, now now I'm really concerned. Oh, I'm really concerned. <laughs> oh, he, I actually Just, I think he was a little bit there this weekend. He yeah, was like, no, he I was not like happy. He reached that he stage was, of the Charles meter. He was not happy. The I mean, the comment that he he's normally very very polite in in the paddock and stuff. Like he's just he's the media training is done well. 
Um, but yeah, when the person was like, Hey, you know, P11, that's a pretty good result or whatever. And he was just like, no, that was like, Oh, <laughs> mm, okay. You, you need to go, uh, take a couple days at home and like, go take some shirtless selfies on your yacht or whatever, and just regroup a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you kind of reach a point where it's like, you, you just sort of need to be like, I'd like to finish as high as I can in the standings for the rest of the season from this point forward, because uh, right. this one right. dude has won five out of the seven races and it's over. Right. All right. Well, it's right. Right. There's and nothing I can do. That's like the really weird and kind of interesting energy to me. I feel like, you know, here's, it, I, I really enjoyed talking about how we're all wrestling with baseball as it is in this moment. And I do feel like from another perspective, as a fresh fan of F1, fresh but dedicated, let's say, mm. I am also sort of wrestling with some interesting tensions of like the moment that the sport is in feels a little like funky to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brent, you can tell me the larger context for this, you know, if I'm sort of getting the vibe right. But there's this very funny thing where it's like, I, I don't know, you guys probably saw this. The video like went viral later, and I think there was a bits of it on during the race. But like, um, on the radio, they like tell Verstappen, they're like, "Okay, you got a warning. Like, you have to drive in the white lines. Like, you are eighteen seconds. Like, you are eighteen seconds ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Just fuck drive between the white lines." And then he's like, he's like quiet for a second, and then he's like, "What's the fastest lap?" (laughs) <laughs> and they're like, they're so like I have the ball here. <laughs> and they're like, it's Chico at like one like 116. And literal and he's like, okay. Literally, <laughs> the next lap. <laughs> he beats the time. And on the radio, they're like, please. Right. The car across the and it is on some level it is like purely delightful to me like there is every time that Verstappen wins and that he's on the radio he's like fucking lovely one mates I'm like good for you like you are so good at driving cars like you really are so good he is so good at driving cars I think what's fun to me about F1 is I'm like I'm like, obviously, Max Verstappen won the race. Like, I'm invested in the fight for P7. (laughs) No, but I think that really, like, that really is part of the fun. Because I think especially the past, I mean, it's been a while now. Like, there has not really been anybody who was challenging Hamilton or Verstappen in a long time other than for, like, a hot second before Ferrari imploded last year. God damn it. Um, so I, I think we all are just sort of at the page of like, well, yeah, that's gonna, they're gonna do whatever. It's fine. We're gonna pay attention to the rest of it. Like, you know, is, uh, I, I'm like, what's Lance Stroll doing? Right. (laughs) Right. Are both Williams cars going to make it across the finish line? Like that, that is the intrigue we're invested in now. It's like when Mick Schumacher got points last year and I like spilled my coffee i was so excited logan Sargent still uh still looking to get on the board uh one of one of the two drivers i believe who's still uh pointless yeah i mean it's it's williams so 
the odd I, I don't I don't know that the odds money the on that happening ever in his favor yes um but but you know, as you were saying that it it made me think you, know, you, you talk about Jacob deGrom breaking baseball um Max Verstappen and Red Bull right now are breaking the sport of freaking Formula One but from the top um and and doing that made me think more um and also because it's it's European and global the year that Messi just like went off at Barcelona like the year that he had a hundred goals and like he just had to watch every single game that he played if if you could get it on American television um and he was just unbelievable and Messi has that joy about him he has that you know that spirit you can see you know his humanity um he's weird in his own ways and you know we'll probably fuck off to saudi arabia too just like ronaldo did but ronaldo like was always mechanical in a sort of way and like i feel like what we're watching now with max is kind of like if ronaldo had that season where it's like oh yes the robot man has risen to the top and right will now commence destroying all of us like poor lewis hamilton was humanity's last hope he gave us all he's a knight and he is now dead well that's what i was gonna say is that like lewis hamilton has that thing of just being like so authentic to me like for a for a professional multi-millionaire celebrity Mm -hmm. athlete like i find him to be just like deeply charming and like authentic seeming and wonderful and i feel that way about messi i'm like he's just like a teeny man with a giant dog and he (laughs) just loves to score goals and i my my partner is a huge barca fan and in this house we love and respect Lionel messi and we really hate Ronaldo, who's also a rapist. So I just want to say I give Verstappen yeah. a lot. Like I think he, he he seems like a freak and a robot, and I think it's a pretty apt comparison. But I think part of why I can enjoy it is that it's like he's a villain because he just like the only thing he can do is drive a car faster than anyone in the entire fucking world <laughs> and it's like kind of amazing and he and the fact that it's just like he's like haha all i do is drive car and then ferrari is just like two hot men like dying and like mercedes is like they're like running into each other in the like in the cars that they're like finally we got the cars to go fast and they're like 20 fucking five seconds behind max we're stopping right. like I don't know. I think that's part of I think that's what the kind of like joy of it is to me is that I kind of don't care who wins. I want to see someone beat him so bad. I want to see one non Red Bull win a race this season. That's all I want. And otherwise, I'm like, yeah, I want to see George Russell get involved in a racing incident at every turn. Let's go. Why why not? Let's go for it. And the the thing I love and and the thing that got me or that was one of the things that really got me hooked is uh, Charles wants nothing, nothing as badly as he wants to one, 
win the fucking Monaco Grand Prix in a Ferrari, and two, win a world championship in a Ferrari. That is the only thing he wants in this world. And I think the, the specificity of it, like the fact that no, like very particularly like Ferrari is what he dreamed of. Like n- not being a driver, driving a fucking Ferrari. Like there is a very specific way that he wants to do this. And he is so committed that I saw somebody and asking. So close. And so close. I saw somebody asking on Twitter the other day, something in the effect of like, do you think, it's gonna. Do you think Charles will ever win a championship? And do you think he'll leave Ferrari? And I was like, no. Like I, Ferrari's gonna figure it out, or he's gonna go down with the ship. Like he's just he's so emotionally invested in it that like yeah. I worry about him a little bit. But like I really yeah. like as a as a sports fan, I really relate to that. To being like, no, like Ugh. this is what I want more than anything is this very specific thing. Well, and I think about that like with baseball players who are like, oh, I grew up a huge fan of X team. Mm-hmm. And, like, do you ever have the moment of being like – and some of them talk about it. Like, you know, some of them will be like, yeah, I want to play in pinstripes or whatever. But I do think it's just like the most satisfying narrative of Charles that's like, you know, he – needs it and he needs it exactly this way in the way that is like I'm so satisfied by it and I completely feel like this dark pit (laughs) he's never gonna leave and they're never gonna figure it out yeah yeah and it the the thing that it reminds me of too is like I think we do sort of, I at least, I'm sure broadly people, there's something about that, like, this is what I dreamed of as a little kid. Like, this very specifically is what I dreamed of as a little kid that I think is so affecting. Like, I'm sorry, Garrett Cole showing up to his introductory press conference um, with With the sign. With the sign he brought to Yankee Stadium at the age of like 11 or something. Like, come on, that shit kills me. It is very cute. Like the and there's I'm sure you've all seen the picture of Brandon Crawford when he's like five years old with the sign about like please don't sell the team when they were gonna move to Tampa. Like I I live for that shit. And it, it comes it you can tell too when that stuff is genuine as opposed to or right. you know what I don't think it wasn't genuine that Jason Giambi's dad was a huge, huge Yankees fan, but it was also like really uncomfortable. Like Yeah. Oh, so you're you're doing this really for your dad. Yeah, I think there's a fine and line not between for like, you, and this is always yeah. going to be a little bit weird, and it yeah. always was a little bit weird. Yeah, when it's like working oh. through the daddy issues or whatever, like that's a little that's less comfortable. Okay, I yeah. do feel like there is a little bit of working through the the daddy issues for Charles, though. Uh, it is it's one hundred percent working through daddy issues and working through uh, lingering grief of his godfather. Right, right, like, right. Like it's, right, and that and there is like that like really dark part of it to me that it's yeah. like no, there's a reason it has to be a Ferrari. Well, because like, he's a reason, right? Yeah. You know? like he's talked about sitting watching the Monaco Grand Prix as a kid with Jules Bianchi watching the Ferraris very specifically and dreaming of being in that car. And so it's like, yeah, there's just, there's a, there's a lot of pathos to it. And so it's one of those things where like, and if it ever like, actually works out, it's going to be like, oh it's going to God. mean so much. 
Yeah. But the weight of it not working out is a little it's a little crushing sometimes. I mean that's I how I feel about the Knicks. I oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was just gonna say I feel like there's like there's so many daddy issues oh, in F1. Just... Like that's what I'm really starting to see quite clearly. Like Max Verstappen driven by daddy issues. Yep. Charles Leclerc driven by daddy issues. Carlos Sainz driven by daddy, daddy issues. issues. Lance Stroll oh, driven by daddy issues. Daddy issues. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, like just like it's just like daddy issues across the grid. Yeah. It's so crazy. many. And of course that makes me think they're all very sexy. <laughs> right. Uh well, I mean there's a there's a reason why I, I called my fantasy Formula One team a couple of years ago. Uh 200 kilometer an hour daddy issues because that's really fundamentally yeah. like that's what it is like that's <laughs> well I will say one thing uh, like which is that Charles Leclerc really made me fall in love with Ferrari but something is happening to me which is that oh my god I'm in love with Carlos Sides. I think he's I love and Carlos it's genuinely it is genuinely that he's just so hot like he's <laughs> He is he is really hot. Unreal. But I also like I love it's so I funny to be a Spanish policeman. There you go. <laughs> um it's really funny though because I think when he first came to Ferrari there was a little bit of a like, oh, but he like he was such good friends with Lando Norris and like is he going to like fit in as well? And so I think the fact that like he and Charles clearly like really get along and yeah, are, so are very goofy and, and cute together and Ferrari They're social, so sweet. Ferrari social media team knows how to work with that. Um, I think it's yeah, been, it's been really nice because there were sort of some there there were some well, concerns, and I love that Carlos Sainz is like the one who will freak the fuck out on the radio. Oh, he he, is, he has absolutely no chill, and I love it. It's like him and Yuki well, will just oh lose my god their fucking minds, like right on international television, like just oh having a full blown breakdown. So, but it's so good. It's it's so important to me. And I, my boyfriend's like scrolling through Reddit last night, and someone was like, you know, Carlos Sainz needs to really like put his foot down and like stand up and not let Ferrari keep fucking it up. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Like literally last, I was like, I was like last what did week. Look like <laughs> okay, I was like last Ferrari? week. <laughs> He screamed at them on the radio. He freaked the fuck out so much that people made him apologize. Right. And and I, but I just love the idea that it's like, Carlos Sainz seems to be the one to be like, you guys better stop it. And they're going to be like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. We never thought of that. It's like, he was literally trying. He's trying everything. Like, I don't know what else you would want him to do. Like between him and Charles, they have like lost their minds in various ways, Ugh. so many times over the past couple of years, like there's there's nothing left. There's nothing else for them to say. <laughs> I I want to come back to something that Addy said before, which was rooting for Red Bull to lose just one race all season long. Um, and and Britt, this is it brings up a question that I have for you that I think is um, I think I know the answer to this for you. Um, okay. But there's an elemental. Uh, it, it's kind of an elemental question of fandom and hatred um for you is that uh ohio state or alabama oh oh that's an excellent question i think i have to say alabama 
because um, in my lifetime, Florida has gotten theirs on Ohio State. Ooh, okay. Like they they put Ohio State in a blender when it counted. So. They sure they sure did. I wasn't even thinking about it because I I still have yeah. a commemorative T-shirt for that one. Thank you very much. Um, All right. So I think I have to say Alabama because Alabama, since they uh, under Saban at least, Florida has not been able to get the better of them. So I will, despite the fact that one of the first jokes I knew how to tell as a child was, uh, why does the St. John's River flow north? Because Georgia sucks. Um, (laughs) Despite that fact, I do still think ultimately I would root for basically anyone over Alabama. And I have rooted for Georgia over Alabama in, you know, the SEC championship games and playoffs and stuff in recent years. Like Ohio State can still go fuck itself now and forever, but. Yeah, I think I think I think yeah. Bama Bama takes it. I I have rooted for Bama at times, um, partly because of that idea of like almost almost like rooting for Red Bull at times this season. Like you just want to see how how superior this can be. Like when there were times sure. where like Alabama was on the ropes at times, and I'm like, no, I want to see him. I want to see him get to that championship game undefeated and, and see if somebody if they can do it or like if somebody can beat them when it counts. Um, I have never once and never will uh, feel any ounce of anything toward Ohio state other than uh, fuck these guys. I hope they lose. And uh, that is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. Cause I, I can, <laughs> I can enjoy a really thorough Alabama ass kicking if uh, Florida is not involved. Because there is something uh, darkly beautiful about seeing just how much they can just absolutely fuck somebody up. Um, There's there's no fun in that with Ohio State, though. Like, there's no fun in that if it's Ohio State. No. With Verstappen to me is that it's like, I'm like, you know what? If you're going to win the race, great. Win it by 30 seconds. Why not? Like, like you know, like it, it, yeah. gets, it gets to a certain point where it's like, okay, we know what the outcome is going to be. Let's just do something interesting. Like, I don't know, drive right. a lap backwards, like whatever. Like, yeah, something here. Like, sure. I, I am like, you know what? Do it. That like, kind of mastery that Alabama brings to the table and that like I can respect. And I feel right. like Max has now gotten there. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It, it is a different, it's another level of just total excellence. Yeah, and it's, it's. I, I think it's like it's a testament to like what makes F one really fun to me is that it's like, yeah, go like go win the whole thing. I can't wait for the day. I'm starting to feel like it's going to be Mercedes, which is like not going to be that satisfying to me. No, but I would be happy if Lewis Hamilton won a race. Like that would I, I would be happy for him, <laughs> but. <laughs> Brit doesn't want it. I'm. I have no issue. Are you just I, bored of it? I like him individually. I hate Mercedes so viscerally, right? That like I just well, I've really enjoyed them being mediocre and would like to maintain funny. that for a while. I will say I hate George Russell. Like that's an opinion Aww. that has really started to set in for me. George has no personality. Like, How could you hate him? There's nothing to hate. That's what I <laughs> like. That's what I hate about him. I'm like. I'm like, if you're going to be a blank space weirdo, like be weird. And he's just like, I feel like he's just like, although I think it's funny that he's involved in like every fucking race incident. Like, I think that's kind of like, it, it is a little funny. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, 
but but mostly it's like I love to be annoyed by him. Like I love to be sad about the Ferraris. I love to be like, where's Yuki? I love when Yuki's right. like, are you trying to make me crash? Like, <laughs> What's Yuki done today? It's so much fun. Right. Um, like, what Yuki chaos? I'm like, I'm like, you know, can I can a hoss it remember? Can I remember that they're out there? No, you know? no, you cannot. <laughs> Because now they don't have Mick Schumacher. So what is there to pay attention to? Um, I will. Okay. So I'm going on record now to say that if there is a race that I think could go to someone other than a Red Bull, I think it's going to be Spa because Spa is a just an absolute dumpster fire every year. Like... It has such a high probability of like some just absolutely insane shit happening that I think if anyone else is going to get one in, I think that's the opening and it's going to be because something bananas happens. Well, that's like what I'm waiting for. Like I'm waiting for because it has to happen, right? Like it, it, it has to happen eventually. There are 23 of these damn things and every single one of them seems to like teeter on near chaos and then like kind of randomly work out so I, it, hasn't, this year. it hasn't quite tipped over the edge really but like, I, I kind of thought for a little bit it was going to happen in monaco when they when it started to rain and they had like some tire freak out yeah, like, oh, oh is this it is this it right i right and that's what i'm waiting for because i think you're absolutely right it's like there has to be like a huge crash a safety car some rain like and something fucking weird is going to happen. And it's going to be like, Alex Albon wins. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm just looking. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm looking at the schedule to see. And there's, I mean, Singapore and Japan well, the, are also the always options is, for that. Just weather-wise. This is Canada, where the defending champion is uh, Max Verstappen. Uh, wow. Yeah. They're, they're on the time zones that don't hate me swing for a little while here. That's fun. Wait, yeah. so what time is the next race? Like a normal human time. Uh, 11 a.m. for me. So afternoon. 2 p.m. for me. Damn it. I'm not going to be able to watch it. That's heartbreaking. And then we have another string of ass early because they're back 18th. in Europe. It's not this week. Yeah. It's, oh, wait. It's, actually, I will be able to watch it that week. Great. Yeah, it's not fair. Right. And then, okay, so then we have another week off. Brick got me the Formula One calendar extension, which is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> the the auto time difference adjustment is, is an assessment. The math is too hard otherwise. Okay, so then they go to Austria. Yeah, then, then they're on they're on another uh European the line. champion in Austria is Charles Leclerc. Aww. That's cute for him. One of his, the last of his three wins last season. Uh, okay, also, all right. Uh, Austria and last year's British Grand Prix, the, the last time that uh, Max Verstappen did not win uh, consecutive races. Hmm. Also, the only time last year that they were back-to-back -back races not won by Max Verstappen. Brett, how long do you think this is going to last? God, I don't know. The, and this is this is the he's the, younger the, than me. Well, so this is this is my theory, right? And this is 
what we sort of started to have happen last year that then Ferrari shot themselves in the dick. But Max himself as a driver is so good. And this is this was true of Lewis Hamilton too. They're both so good as drivers that when they when when it falls apart, it's gonna be because the engineering goes to shit. And the the likelihood of that is highest when there is some big change. When they when there's some when there's a rule change, when there's a you know, like the tire specification change this year and stuff like that. Like those are the changes that are are the the areas of opportunity. If you are a Ferrari or Aston Martin or somebody, that if you don't fuck it up and they do, that like that's your window. Now, when the next time a major one happens, is uh, that's a separate question. But interesting, because the problem is that the past couple of years have been when there were major changes with the the spending cap, the tire changes, right. like which Red Bull benefited from, right? Eh, not really. Oh, okay. I mean, with with the spend- How about um. Could money laundering indictments um, radically change? The, uh, money laundering uh, indictments <laughs> could. They could. Um, the problem with Red Bull, ironically, in that regard, is that they're not. There's not a single. It's not like Haas or Aston Martin, um, where like there is one guy where you're like, "Hey, <laughs> this guy," or like. Um, you know, having a Russian oligarch's fertilizer company all over your cars when then he gets sanctioned and then you're like a little SOL. Unlikely to have one of those happen for Red Bull. Hmm. You never know. You never know. But it feels unlikely. (sighs) Well, I will. (laughs) Sorry, Disney. I'd like to just get this in before we go on on Red Bull. Um, Over the weekend, after the Little League game, we were waiting for pizza to show up at the Little League Park, and I'm listening to the kids, just kind of overhearing them as they're munching on popcorn and stuff. Um, And they're all telling jokes about Ohio, um, including um, that people from Ohio can't handle – their Red Bull because there's too much sugar in it for them. <laughs> this is what? bizarre. I don't understand it. I don't know what direction we're headed. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do appreciate that the youth of, uh, of New York City, at least, appear to be all in on, um, on going after Ohio. Because I've heard <laughs> my other child also... Um, joking with her friends about Ohio and referencing what? the Ohio meme. I've got to know. I don't know what the Ohio meme is. Can you uh, ask yeah, them? I've got to know what's going on here. I have asked them. They can't really explain it other than um, <laughs> that Ohio is dumb. <laughs> That's the big meme. Um, I, I don't know I mean, if this is. I don't know if this is true, but I desperately want this to somehow be related to um, Ohio 2 of uh, <laughs> Craig Alcantara's family fame. I desperately want Craig, that to somehow be related. I don't know how. Craig is aware of this now. I mean, because he read the tweet. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, it's I, bizarre. I, I want it to trace back to his daughter's map so bad. I don't, oh, I don't know uh, what the path there is, but I just really, really want it. 
How are things going for you these days in Long Chile? <laughs> Long Chile. Uh, well, we have great wine, much like in regular chili. Uh, so, all right, nice, uh, nice Malbec. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, there uh, we go. Um, all right. Do we have anything else that we need? I'm, I'm. Ooh, I still have oh, a drop left of this. Yeah, I have one thing stuff. I want to say, which is that if you've made it this far in this podcast, I feel certain that you probably know that the insider workers are on strike. Um, if you didn't know that. Insider workers are on strike. So don't read business insider stories. Don't click on business insider tweets or give them, you know, traffic um, because they illegally changed the healthcare of insider workers last year and they are holding firm on necessary wage increase and salary floors and will not settle the ULP and make their healthcare right. So um, this is really historic. This is the first open-ended strike in the News Guild of New York in more than uh, 30 years, wow. if my research is correct. It's a huge deal. If you're in New York City and you can go to One Liberty Plaza, they are picketing from 9 to 5. It would mean the world I if live in New York it went City. down. <laughs> yeah, you should go down. I can go to One First, Liberty so Plaza. fun. Oh my God, you should go even for an hour. It would be so fun. They'll give you a sign. You can like take them some Gatorade. It would, they would literally cry. Um, so anyway, I wanted to say that um, Solidarity Forever, I've been able to work with these workers for the last couple of weeks, helping them get ready for strike prep and they are amazing. And um, if you're in Brooklyn, um, you may see flyers around your neighborhood, particularly in Park Slope, saying, have you seen this millionaire? Meet your neighbor, Nick Carlson. Um, so keep your eyes peeled um, for some, some flyering. Um, it's, it's a big deal. That's all. Okay. Well, solidarity with uh, the Insider Union. Solidarity with... Uh, the union that I am still a card-carrying member of, uh, the Writers Guild of America. Although, um, I have no contracted with business with the uh, AM, AMTMP Association Academy of Academy of Motion Picture Motion Pictures AMT, AM, AM, AMP, AMPTP. There you go. It's a very long acronym. Academy of Motion Pictures and Television Production. I uh, so I've been able to join them a little bit, but I have. Uh, my regular day job that actually pays my bills and is not a a writing job of any kind. Uh, I, I will stay in that union for as long as they'll have me and as long as I continue to write, which I'm looking forward to doing more of uh, at Willis Penn. I believe that um, one of us will write something to accompany this episode. And uh, again, if you're hearing this, like Addie said, uh, you are already aware of all this. So. Uh, solidarity with the Insider Union, solidarity with the Writers Guild, solidarity with uh, anything else? Brett? You got solidarity, solidarity with today? all Ferrari drivers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And solidarity with our hot Italian boys. Uh. Uh, how we love them and how they let us down. <laughs> what hot Italian boys do. That's what's up. Uh, we'll see you next time. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>